This is episode number 249. What can you do to turn your dreams into reality? With Scott Mason and Bonita Conde. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation, which takes place every single Friday at 9.45 a.m. Central Time, hosted through LinkedIn Live or Facebook Live, where you'll be able to join us on a variety of topics where we explore the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and dreams, or the ability to dream. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to find the latest details about our upcoming conversations so you can tune in and share your insights and perspectives. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work. And that is, if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our mission by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous conversations, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. One of my dreams has come true, and that is to be able to have this conversation (laughs) at this particular hour. So I just, I appreciate both of you for being a part of my life and the impact that you've had and continue to have. It's, It's truly, I can't even put into words. It's, it's quite the experience, you know, to be able to connect with people like that who support you and believe in you and just um, someone you can always count on. It, it's uh, it's an amazing feeling. Can it, can the two of you relate? I hope you can. <laughs> if I couldn't, I better get a divorce real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I just actually celebrated 14 years of sobriety this week, and I wrote a post about that and about gratitude to the level and the degree in terms of this type of support and connection and these types of conversations and being able to continue to explore life from that type of place, like sort of the awakening I had through sobriety was the focus of that post. But it is very difficult to put into words like the the like depth of the gratitude for that type of process and then this type of connection. So I completely mm-hmm. relate and I understand what you are saying. Like, and I feel the same about like every question you ask and every conversation we have uh, opens another door or another window of a way of exploring something. Um, it's priceless. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, it's, this is something that's been in the back of my mind for quite some time. And it's this question of, I remember when I would look at my whole journey and, and all the people that would come into my life. And I was always left with, with this question of why did it take this long to meet X, Y, and Z? 
or why does it appear to be so, at least in my experience, that I look back at the whole journey and having met, I don't know, five, 10,000, maybe even more people by now, but there's only 10 that I could pick up the phone at any given moment and say, hey, this is what's happening or or this is what just really be able to fully express and share. And I was sharing this with Scott before the ability to be myself and not feel like I'm being judged or second guess whether or not the other person is receiving me the same exact way I'm receiving them. It's just something that I don't know. It took years. It took years to get to. And I, I used to take those things for granted. I think I took people for granted at once at one chapter of my life because I thought that, you know, if they're here today, they'll be there tomorrow. And I don't have to express to them the impact that they've had because they most likely know. And then I remember one moment specifically, I was in high, I was in college, I was graduating college. No, I was in high school, graduating high school. And I remember my sixth grade teacher who really had a tremendous impact in my life. And just thinking about him and how here was a person that really changed my trajectory. And yet he probably has no idea the impact that he's had. So two, three, four, five, eight years later, I returned back to that middle school and he just happened to sub in that day. He retired like a year before. So like, what are the chances, right? Wow. Perfect. And then just expressed it to him. I said, Hey, here's the impact you've had here. are The dreams you've helped me achieve. And he, his words literally were, I didn't know any of that. Wow. So it's just, did he remember you by the way? Oh yeah. He remembered me. I walked into the classroom and he said something along the lines of like, look who it is. Um, it's probably a harder one to forget considering that I was the only kid that did not speak English <laughs> in sixth grade <laughs> and that he had to spend hours and hours before and afterwards teaching me those things. So I think there's a lot of power in being able to take a step back and express gratitude to people that helped you achieve the dreams, the things that you once upon a time thought were impossible. And then just through work, collaboration, whatever other factors, they became a reality. So I, I know that the topic and the theme today we wanted to focus on was this concept of dreams. And I figured that the best way to maybe even start this conversation to begin with is explore the concept of why do we even have dreams to begin with and what do you think they are a representation of? Hmm. Benita, considering that you are our guest, our special guest today, you have the honor of taking <laughs> Starting the us conversation. Off. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a fascinating one, right? Like I'm sure from uh, like a neuroscience perspective, there's some, some maybe understanding of this, but it's quite magical, right? Like what is the combination between our life experiences, our rational mind, our subconscious and our super consciousness? Because my understanding is that the super consciousness is very involved in like this sense of dreaming or inspiration or things that somehow, sometimes, not always, but sometimes feel like they kind of come out of nowhere <laughs> or it's connected to something, but a, a new point of clarity or a desire. So the words I wrote down when I was thinking about dreams and dreaming and like moving forward towards something that doesn't seemingly yet e- exist in our like experience in the moment. 
are the words inspirations or excitements. And I think I've come to understand dreaming more from that place um, in the last four years in particular. But early on in life, I had a very clear dream. And Oleg, you and I have talked about this before, but I knew at eight years old, I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And that came from some life experience. I had some experience dancing from the time I was really little. And then a particular teacher who really inspired me. So it's so interesting that you bring up like, like the influences of very powerful people in our lives. And then that set off this whole trajectory. But the like dream of being a professional ballet dancer is something so hard to describe. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, I bring it into the sense of inspirations, excitements, and intuition. Like my sense of self just knew it needed to express itself that way. Even though many people around me were a little like, that's kind of an intense thing to choose or that's going to be really hard or like, are you sure? And there was like no question. And I've had multiple other clear moments of that in my life, but it's this combination, I think, of elements. And, and also one could argue just in our blueprint, like how much is like already kind of in who we are that we then get the opportunity to express divinely in our like physical form here when we show up. So I, to me, it's, it's mystical. It's a combination of things for sure, like where that dreaming comes from. Do you think dreams are a true expression of who you are? I guess it depends on the dream. Mm -hmm. I think some are very in alignment and like very clear and point us in a direction. And others might be less balanced or, um, you know, come from a certain part of us that like also needs to be explored, but might not be like an absolute pure expression of our truth or ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it depends. Mm -hmm. Scott, what are your thoughts? I don't know if they are as much expressions of who we are as they are or can be messages from ourselves to ourselves. Mm. I'd like to share with you the story of two dreams. And I actually cannot believe, oh, like, I've never shared this with you before. <laughs> now, Benita, I can believe I've shared it. I've never shared it with you before because we just met. So, <laughs> roll back and hopefully you'll find it entertaining. I was in another relationship before I was with my current husband, who is my real husband. He's not just my current husband. He's my husband. That long-term relationship was one that was less than ideal as many of our first long-term relationships are. And I'll never forget one night I had a dream that I was laying down on a couch in the house that I grew up in. And it was grayish and dark and the lights were off in the room. And there was one of those full you know, roof to floor, screen door, back door openings that led out to a patio. The couch I was lying on looked out into and I could see my backyard. And then behind my backyard, growing up, there was for many years, a little forest and then a field. And I was looking at that forest and the sky was gray and dusky and the leaves, they were all just turning autumnal and, and coming down to the ground. And I realized in the dream, that was my future. And I was living in the house that I grew up with in this dream with that first husband. Mm. Many years later, I was having a difficult time 
in the early period of my relationship with my husband, it wasn't clear that we were going to make it. And I had another dream. There was a valley surrounded by green mountains. And there was a dusty road into that valley. And I was a weary traveler with satchels on my back. I was coming back from a long war. And as I entered that valley, traveling tired and hard, I saw a little A-framed house with a door and a single window. And in that little window, beneath it, actually, was a flower pot. And in it was my husband when I looked through the window and he was cooking. And he turned around and he sprinkled some water onto that flower pot. And then he smiled at me, the broadest smile. And the sky was so bright. It was just utterly gleaming. Those dreams were both telling me things that I needed to know about my own life. My subconscious was sending me a warning in the first about the future. Mm -hmm. And what I was doing, perhaps, was turning that dream into a reality, or at least by ignoring the message from myself to myself, I would have turned that dream into a reality. The other one was also a warning. Mm -hmm. A warning about what I could miss mm -hmm. if I didn't listen to myself. It also was a dream that metaphorically has become my reality. One thing I also wanna just comment about with regards to your title. What can you do to turn your dreams into reality? But there's a second part of that question, Oleg, that I have to ask you back. And Benita, you too. When we turn our dreams into reality, how often are they the realities that we want? How often are they realities that actually reveal the dreams to be nightmares? Huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's a really good question. And what it made me think of in both of your situations is, I think, the point of intentional dreaming. And that's what I was going to ask the, the either one of you or both of you is, is it, do you, do you dream intentionally such as, do you set an intention before you go into dream state with the possibility of waking up and having a certain set of realizations or whatever it is? Because I, I, it's interesting that you even brought that up, Scott, because I have found through my own experience. Now I don't do this every single time, but there are times where I have, for example, if throughout the day I'm having some sort of question that I'm having a harder time resolving, unresolved relationship is a perfect example. Mm. Sitting back and thinking, what can I do? What steps can I take to not necessarily get it back to where it was, but lift that stone off my chest? Mm -hmm. what, what action can I take? And I have found sometimes that in going to sleep with an intention like that, I would wake up with some form of an answer. So send a text, call this person, send an email, whatever it is, if they're next to me, have a conversation with them. So I, I found that it's interesting that we started this conversation with form, with dreams being a form of inspiration. In my case, they're a form of inspiration that inspire action. And then through you, what you were sharing, Scott, it, you know, it's a form of like intention almost. Having an intention 
for wanting to receive a particular message. Mm. I just find that interesting how mm-hmm. both of you kind of shared that and they're both interconnected if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's interesting from the beginning of this is that in the, the way in which the question was posed for the focus of this um, conversation, I immediately translated dreams into, like I said, like inspiration, excitement, like mm-hmm. imagination, and bringing those inspirations into our lives to then manifest them. In terms of like actual dream state and the messages that come through our sleeping state and what happens with our subconscious and dreaming, um, I hadn't thought about it in that regard. So Scott, thank you for your stories. Um, And I haven't practiced intentional dreaming. I have a very close friend who does and gets very clear messages when she does it. Yeah, that might be a practice for me to get to explore. <laughs> yeah, give her, please give me your number. <laughs> but she gets learn. very clear messages. She wow. She gets very clear messages back often. And who does she attribute those messages to being from herself or from an outside source or? Um, I don't know I don't if we really know. Like dug into it, but I think her higher self, you know, the sense mm-hmm. of like connection to like subconscious and then higher self consciousness. Mm-hmm. The wording that you used was fascinatingly ambiguous, Oleg. And so one thing I'm curious about, actually, I had assumed that you were talking about the dream state and Benita thought something a little bit different. Right, And and I think that that can make the conversation rich, but to me it does sort of wonder if perhaps intentionally you were leaving that ambiguity there because I find it fascinating that this subconscious state, as Benita is pointing out, is something that we have learned to, as a linguistic manner, matter, have a whole broader understanding around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, that was the intention to, to leave it as general as possible because it's there's so much to unpack within that. I, I think the whole concept of having to dream you know, somebody's dog right now. It's my dog. The background is not wanting to dream, but wanting <laughs> to be awake, wanting to come into the reality and, and welcome everyone. So I, I, I think there's I think there's something within that. The the other thing that I was thinking about as the two of you were sharing is the personal challenges that I've experienced in being able to actually articulate meaning and a sense of purpose from those dreams. When you think about your own dreams or kind of, I guess you could say, pivotal moments within your life where certain dreams have led to certain forms of reality. What have you found to be some of the barriers or the challenges that you experienced in being able to actually create meaning from those dreams? That might be a loaded question. (laughs) The ultimate question of life here. (laughs) Yeah, it could be a few hours conversation. (laughs) I mean, for me, the most simple answer to that question in looking back, I've had much more uh, like easy flowing success with just being in the moment, like like momentary dreaming and really being present to what's appearing moment by moment and then manifesting from there. I would say in the last four years of my life. So there's been a lot less stickiness, but prior where there were more barriers, it was very much the mind that was the barrier. Mm -hmm. There was limiting beliefs, there were fears, um, or maybe something just truly wasn't in actual alignment for my life, but I had assigned a lot of labels and beliefs and um, expectations of myself, maybe a lot of shoulds. 
got attached to it along the way. And then those became the barriers, like, so that the end result ended up not looking like I had originally seen it or dreamed it or envisioned it. Can you break that down more as far as how were you able to fully articulate the origin of whether it's a limiting belief, whether it's someone else's perspective or opinion, whether it's you in misalignment with what you're trying to create? Mm-hmm. Well, I think oftentimes it's probably a combination of those. Um, that's in those moments, at least now, like sort of the information that I've had and I've played with and I've been so um, like deeply immersed in in the last four years allows me to be able to look back and see like when certain things were out of alignment, it was very much a combination of those elements, Mm -hmm. societal or systemic conditioning, what I believed I was like sort of supposed to do in a certain situation, like how I should have been doing it or, you know, what I then believed from those messages that were then I thought my own. So I'll give you just one really um, specific example of this that I think is helpful. So for years, I worked in the advertising industry. So for 17 years and four years ago, I resigned my last full-time job in that sort of system and structure and went on a three month exploratory journey without any other plan. And in doing that, and I was working with coaches at the time who were asking wonderful self-inquiry based questions. So I was playing with like actively playing with that process. Kind of, we talked about like who I saw myself being and what service was I uniquely equipped to provide to the world and these kind of questions, right? And I would say, oh, I'm not creative in my own right. I'm very good at supporting others. I'm, you know, if somebody has a vision, I'm here to help bring it to life. I can find the right people, put systems and processes in place, but oh, I would never have my own business or be an entrepreneur. I said mm-hmm. all of these things to my coaches, like in like, let's say May of 2017. And through working with them and being actively excited, like not knowing that I was going to debunk those beliefs, <laughs> but being curious and being like, let's see what happens if I do some other things getting creative again, I started dancing again. Through that process, it was like surprises left and right. And those limiting beliefs that, yes, I think ultimately came from outside sources, but I then internalized to believe them as my truth and as Mm -hmm. defining myself, fell away. And three months later, I was starting my own business Mm -hmm. that absolutely came from creativity, that has vision, a purpose, a mission, a calling, moving forward, creating it. So an entrepreneur, I guess, like having my own business, I was like, what? Like when it all came out of me, out of a meditation, I was like, oh, I guess all that stuff I thought about myself for 17 years just fell away. Oh, so that helps one realize how much of that was actually mine Mm -hmm. versus what was projected onto me from a system and structure that I then made mine for a period of time. Yeah. And how powerfully we can release that stuff to then know more of our truth. And I would say this also simply, when you know something's really your truth versus all of these other ways in which we can like label ourselves, you feel it. Mm. And, it and maybe the two of you have experienced this, but mm-hmm. there's that moment where you just, it's like head, heart, like mind, body, spirit, all at the same time. So I would label that like intuition the sensory messaging in our system just knows it's right. There's just like a knowing 
So it's something that feels a little bit magical because it's really hard to describe and probably each person experiences it a little, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But there's just like, ah, it, there's an ease. There's an ease, a lightness, relief is a great word to describe it. Like, ah, oh, this is right. And like that stickiness kind of, of the labeling from systems and structures and others lightens, lessens, kind of lifts. And that sense of ease and knowing is what I call my intuition today. And that's what I use as the guide to tease out, like, is this my truth and my intuition and my knowing, or is what I'm believing or like working toward or trying to figure out or do something with, is that coming from some other source? Mm -hmm. Scott? Wow. That was really amazing, Benita. What a pleasure to stare to share a virtual stage or a virtual room with you after hearing something like that. It's a real honor. And first of all, and thank you, Oleg, for leveraging your own audience to bring more people's attention to Benita's voice. Thank you, Scott. One of the things, Benita, that you just said that really struck a chord with me, resonated, but maybe didn't resonate as well. And I'm glad you qualified the last part of the statement with everyone experiences things differently. A lot of times when it comes to dreams, subjects like dreams coming true, or when you know you're being held back by a limiting belief or preconceived notions, there can be a tendency to make broad generalizations like the type that Jessica Dugas, who just popped in the show and would never do. (laughs) I just wanted to say hi to you, Jessica. Uh, The way people experience things, these sweeping statements are made, and I always find myself left in the cold because a lot of times these sweeping statements don't seem to apply to me, and I feel like a freak show. Now, some of that is because I am a freak show and I've leaned into it, but that's okay. But some of that is just not acknowledging that we're all the same and attempting to put a neat bow around a whole host of boxes and packages that all have different sizes and shapes. Mm -hmm. I, it's interesting. A lot of times when you hear people talking about their dreams and the best sort of dreams that they have or what they want for their future, they dream of their best, their best dreams are dreams of peace and platitude and joy, maybe dancing around in a field or, or walking through a beautiful garden. For me, the very, very best dreams are ones that involve excitement and adventure. I have a lot of zombie apocalyptic dreams. They're not nightmares, although horrible things are happening in them. They're things in which I'm defending others, in which I'm protecting, in which I'm overcoming, being a hero. Or, or or saving others or building something phenomenal. And I like those dreams, even though they are tense and frightening. Mm-hmm. I experience breakthroughs, which is what Jessica talks about, by the way, a lot, or coming into my own truth in a similar fashion. There oftentimes can be what I describe as internally a wall that's being built it might be of ice or it might be of fire, but I feel it in my heart, a very specific type of tension that when I address it, that or when I begin to really focus on it, that heart tightens or the wall builds up a little bit. But I know that that 
disturbing, weird wall, when I break through it, something is always amazing on the other side. And so that's a different way that some people who might be hearing something like Benita is talking about, but might not relate, can perhaps look in their own experience. Now, when I'm doing something that is easy or that might be immoral is a different sort of reaction internally. I don't know that I necessarily see those things as fear, except maybe a fear of getting caught, but I see those and experience those things as letting go or just just doing it. And there can be an easiness to that from my perspective that many times can be a sign that what I've dreamed of is actually super self-serving or not truly connected with my why. Or it can be, for instance, when I have lived periods of my life in which the supposed dreams that I've constructed for myself, usually they're related to stature attainments. Mm. Those are things that I feel no emotional connection at all to. They're merely intellectual dreams. I never felt, for instance, that stirring in my heart, that tightening of fear as I approached that wall, as I scaled large organizational ladders. I just felt, okay, that's a higher checkbox in my mind. I marked it off. Let me move on to the next one. Yeah. You know, there's some there's something that two of you pointed out that I thought was interesting for me, and it's this whole concept of why. And and then the other part is knowing that everyone has their own way of dreaming. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is particularly United States based or if other cultures experience this differently, but I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine, and we both of us came to the conclusion that maybe not everyone has the uh, not necessarily ability to achieve the same exact dream. But I think there's also this notion that sometimes for me it was taught from the early days of school that just because this person do it, did it, therefore I can do the same thing. Mm. The reality of the matter is I don't believe that's true. Like I believe that, yes, I might be able to achieve my dream in my particular way, but just because this person built X, Y, and Z, I don't think – I have the same capacities, talents, and whatever else. And so I think partially what I've realized throughout my own experience is that that led me on a journey, not necessarily a false dreaming, but more so trying to reach a dream that literally is not possible to attain due to physical makeup and skills and gifts and talents. And I mean, it took me many years to break away from that and really understand it. But I just, I thought that was a very interesting thing that, two of you hinted towards and it's this concept that everyone dreams in their own way and then the other part was the why i don't know if the two of you have experienced this or still continue to experience it but i will say this in my opinion there's a lot of pressure around figuring out your why and there's a lot of pressure about figuring out your why now just like amazon packages come to your door within the hour you got to find out your why now. And if not, you have two-day delivery until you got to figure it out. <laughs> but it's it's true. But at the same time, it puts a lot, like in my life, it puts so much unnecessary pressure on me. Mm-hmm. Instead of figuring out what is the why now, like 
in this chapter of my life was this pressure of you got to figure out your whole why for your life. And I'm wondering if the two of you have experienced similar things. And if so, how did you work through that? How did you work through the fact that it's, it's great to have an overarching why, but if we're being honest, do we really know that? Or do we just know the why for this particular chapter? How can we know the why for the 50 years that we haven't experienced just yet? Yeah, my personal experience with that and, and the way that it's uh, sort of manifested um, through working with others who have helped point me to, I use the phrase calling, but to define a calling statement and then live in alignment to that calling statement is that you can pivot from it at every, any moment. Yeah. At any time, if it's this thing that we're, we're feeling the pressure of a the timeline, which I believe is one of, if not the most limiting construct in existence. <laughs> the minute we have a dream, a desire, an inspiration about something, the mind really wants to come in with the timeline yeah. pretty quickly, right? Oh, I would like to define a why. <laughs> in two days, please. Like you got a all week of to sudden, do it. Right? Like all of <laughs> yeah. a sudden, there's this self-imposed timeline. So how often can we inquire about like, who said that time was, that's when that was supposed to happen? And like, where's that coming from? Oh, right. I'm imposing that on myself. I can release that. There can be that kind of self-inquiry around this process. And then it's not carved in stone. It's, I like to work with mine for, I don't know. I don't have a set time. I had one for a couple years. Like I'd say the first two years of having create radical love and having a, a pointer, it's like a North star for me. Like, Oh, that feels like the right phrase that defines my why, my purpose, my calling. I'm moving toward that. I seem to be manifesting in alignment with it. It feels good. Again, for me, it comes back to a feeling state, which how that feels or how that works, you know, like Scott beautifully illustrated and I very much feels different for everyone when you just like, oh, okay, it feels good. It feels in alignment. There's like a flowing conversation with the universe of stuff happening around it that feels in flow. Like there's not a ton of resistance happening. Okay. And then I got to a point where it felt limiting. So my calling for a period of time was people experiencing radical love, unconditional love. How can I show up in my life, giving that more and more to myself. And then as it spills over, be of service to others from that space is I want others to experience unconditional, radically loved lives. But it started to feel a little bit limited. And so, yeah, about two years ago, I went through a process of doing a little writing, doing some just sitting with myself, feeling what would be the more expansive expression of it. And it was my calling is people experiencing their infinite selves. Like they just blow it up. It doesn't have to have like the specific words associated with the theme I was really in for a period of time. It can be that sense of like in every interaction, how is something, how does something become more expansive mm -hmm. and how does that then, you know, act as a form of service to others from that place. But, and I have never put a timeline on that one. Like tomorrow, something might hit me like, ah, that feels a little bit off right now. I'm more focused in this particular energy or this particular approach. Um, so that's how I personally have worked with this idea of mm -hmm. calling purpose. And I think we are living in, in such a world 
beautifully where more people are asking this question. Like, what am I here to do? What is my purpose? Like, that's amazing, right? And so if we can keep it open and not impose that pressure and that timeline, then and I think it's a lifelong, beautifully, like that excites me that it's a lifelong journey of pivoting within yeah. the, just the overarching idea of purpose or why or calling. Did you ever associate your sense of purpose with a sense of achievement? In my past, 100%, 100%, very much in my dancing years and in my years in the advertising industry, it was much more, Scott, as you described, like I was just ticking boxes. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am gonna move up this ladder. I'm gonna have more responsibility. There'll be great new experiences and I seem to be good at this stuff. So it's my purpose. Mm -hmm. My purpose is to show up every day and be of service in this role, in this job. I kind of link, I linked my purpose to consuming experiences mm -hmm. to a point that that continuing to consume them was continually not fulfilling. <laughs> and I bottomed out on that. Like I got sick of that. I was like, this is no longer, I'm seeing, I got to a very pinnacle place for me personally and it was still not fulfilling. And that was wonderfully catalytic to mm -hmm. see like, oh, I keep thinking ticking these boxes based on external achievements is going to create that sense of truth and fulfillment. And it didn't. And so that's mm -hmm. what led me to really blow it all up and question mm -hmm. like more true calling. The reason why I asked that is because I know I've definitely felt that in, in fact, it wasn't until recent years that I had heard someone say that the, the concept of human being, it's human being, not human doing. Doing. Yes. I, I kid you not. I remember first time hearing it and it was just like, wow. But I was mind blown just hearing one statement said differently. But there's so much power and wisdom, I think, within that statement, because I know for a fact throughout my own life, there were times where I forgot about that. Sure. I thought that that sense of why or that purpose had to be associated with some form of human doing. And then the only way to tell that human doing was to do, as the two of you described, the checklist and then go the accomplishments. Oh, I've accomplished this. Therefore, I have done something. I've accomplished mm -hmm. this. Therefore, I have done something else. Yeah. But the reality of the matter is, and I like how you just put that, Bonita, and that's just the purpose of just showing up and doing the best you can do with whatever it is that you have realized about who you are, your gifts, your skills, your abilities. And then the other component is just, it is a lifelong journey. I know Scott, you and I have conversations like this all the time. You know, the concept of having to know now, like who's to say any of that? Why can't we take for the remainder of our life to figure out? And then as you pointed out, Bonita, pivot, pivot as if you, is it when you have to, yeah, the why so might have served me to get to this point, but then the why that's going to help me get to the next one might be a different version of it. Totally different. And there's so much conditioning around those beliefs, around responsibility, um, sticking something out, hard work in that sense of like, oh, this is no longer aligned for me, but I must just continue on because of some system, structure, belief, construct. When maybe if I were to pivot, it would actually benefit myself and many others a lot more. And that, that nuanced piece of like people being fearful that they might be letting people down if they were to leave a particular job, let's say, or 
whatever it might be in the pivot, what I find happens for myself and for many others that I work with is that when you make that aligned pivot, Mm -hmm. people benefit greatly. Mm-hmm. Like somebody else might then come into that job that you vacated and they were really aligned for it. And it's more in their truth and their excitement. And there's like a flourishing new, <laughs> you know, part of the tree and experience happening there. And you get to go off and then benefit yourself and others. So I find it's like constant um, opportunity that's created yeah. from honoring pivoting when you need to rather than being beholden to things like responsibilities and timelines and i say all of this noting integrity i am by no means suggesting that if you are in a moment where if you show up and you do something for others it's very necessary and important that you don't complete that first before you i'm not talking about like (laughs) jumping ship and affecting a lot of people um Mm -hmm. really negatively but doing it in ways where we are within our integrity and are, you know, helpful to others in doing it, but where we can pivot. Mm -hmm. Jessica brought up a very interesting point. And that is, do you find it that difficult to keep as you're working with others in the entrepreneur world who might be focused solely on the numbers or checkboxes first before the dreams or, or passions? Scott, do you, can you relate? Yeah, I actually can. Although I suspect that question was directed a little bit more at Benita. So I, if if anyone feels that way, I want to make sure that that answer has a chance to be given by the one who probably works most directly with people in that space. That being said, it's interesting. So as many of you know, I went through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, and that was revelatory. Now, there is a huge emphasis in that program for those that go into it. It's a program for high-growth-oriented small business owners on making sure that you understand metrics and metrices or whatever and, and goals and KPIs and all of the systems and all of that sort of stuff. But... One of the huge things that they point out that I thought was so valuable was foundationally underneath that. What are you looking to do? What is your business about? What is your, what is, why do you have a passion for your business if you have it all, it at all? What is the passion of your business? What does that business represent? And what do you want for the business as an extension of yourself within the larger framework of your life? Before then just saying, okay, let's put together some KPIs and measure that stuff. And so I do feel like uh, from a business perspective, a business that does not measure performance or even understand the basic metrics for performance is a business that's just walking right towards a hill that it will jump off and hit a very rocky bottom with. Mm -hmm. However, they're tied together. And what I see Jessica talking about and the phenomenon that it relates to is not having done that foundational connection work between, like I mentioned earlier, that business as an expression of your intent in the world and your desires for the garden of your life that you want to walk in and what you're measuring it for, as opposed to just saying, okay, let's get some 
measurements together that will look nice to potential purchasers 20 years from now, and then just measure towards that. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. And then moving towards those sorts of measurements, managing towards what you measure, when the measurements and the ultimate KPIs are meaningless, ultimately then severs that connection between the purpose and the why that the individual may feel with the business that they are the head of, ultimately leading to the insidious withering away of what that business represents. And it is insidious and it's slow and it infects everything and everyone that it touches, uh, leading to this sort of slow atrophy or or just malaise that the business comes to represent as you know, when you're connecting those measurements to where you want to go, what you really want your dream to be when it becomes a reality, then you're going to be so motivated. Everyone around you as looking as people who are looking up to their leader are going to fall into that and, and love it too. Your clients will feel it. Your strategic partners will feel it. It will probably turn that garden into a forest faster than you can snap your fingers, or at least it puts you mm-hmm. in a situation where the garden can become really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now I'll turn it over to Benita if you want to say something. That's fantastic, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with the purpose point, the purpose calling why, like if that's clear and you're moving forward. So to answer your question, Jessica, I haven't had difficult, most clients come to me wanting to tap more into their intuition, their purpose, their calling, and then create from that space. So we're rarely having a conversation about the accomplishing as the, the origin point. So the conversation is all, already starting from a foundation of what excites you the most? What do you want to spend your day doing from a place of excitement, enjoyment, love, passion? That energy that Scott is using to talk about this, I find when the origin of an idea to go create something in the world and a company from there, whether it's a very small business or a larger business, that it's coming from a place of that truth, that excitement, and that passion, then the metrics, the business plan, the ways in which it's being success is being measured, that's a whole nother conversation, um, is in alignment from that origin point. Mm-hmm. So I, if I have clients coming to me with an existing business and they're struggling because they're not hurt, hitting certain milestones or metrics or goals, then that's where the conversation starts to flip it back to, do you love it? Do you want to be doing it every day? Is it a mode and a modality in which you enjoy spending your time? That oftentimes is a big piece. Like it starts off as one thing and it turns into something else where you're spending your day doing a lot of things you don't actually love and enjoy in terms of like actual tasks and responsibilities. And then that can be a beautiful catalyst for defining what you do love and enjoy. And then how do you pivot the business from there? Or do you even continue with it? Does somebody else take it on and you go do something else? And that dovetails beautifully into what we've been talking about in terms of clarifying the dream, starting to manifest it because you pivot toward it, make the changes necessary to move on, maybe exit, and then go create from a place that's really in alignment. Mm -hmm. 
Billy Atwell actually passed on a point to me that I think directly connects to the two of you. And that's, it was a very simple question or it was simply stated a lot more complex to be processed. And that's, he said, what do you really want? <laughs> and it's really, was as simple as that. What do you really want in life? And then from there, start creating it, putting together whatever oh. form of vision, planning goals and aspirations. The other thing that as we wrap up today's show that I wanted to point out is the importance of having those dreams, but also knowing that I'm not defined solely by those dreams, mm -hmm. that those dreams are just one of many. Mm -hmm. And so looking at them as mile markers or catalysts for other dreams, other versions of the why, other goals, other aspirations, I think is equally as important because I know that for me, there were times where I didn't think that. There were times where I was kind of stuck and I got to figure out the why. I got to know the dream. I got to be able to, if you were to ask me, what do you do? I have to be able to answer it in one sentence, not two, one easily understood. And it's just a lot of unnecessary pressure. I mean, so what that if you may not understand what it is that I do? It Maybe it's just not the time. Maybe we met at a different chapter of our lives. I just so have to factors, say, you know? yeah, and, and as someone who has been involved in the business networking community for some time and actually really enjoys it, loves doing it, has met a lot of people that way. But the one thing that kind of does make me sick is when I get that sort of unsolicited advice without really asking deeper questions about why I'm presenting my business or what I do a certain way or how come it doesn't say X, Y, Z. Maybe there's more going under the hood than that person talking to you for two seconds and offering yes. you their little piece of quote unquote wisdom knows. And that's why there can be real value in shutting the hell up sometimes and listening. <laughs> and by the way, sometimes by shutting the hell up and listening, you can get some fertilizer for your own dreams delivered right to your front porch for yeah. free. Yeah, I know. I couldn't agree with you more on that. As we wrap this up, what are some ways that people can learn more about your dreams and the dreams that you have been able to turn into a form of reality? No pun intended with any of that. <laughs> Bonita, where are, what are the places that people can connect with you and learn more about what you are doing or hoping to do? Sure. Um, yeah, the easiest place is my website, createradicallove.com. And um, I also um, post every so often, <laughs> um, regularly, but every so often um, on Instagram. So there's information there about Create Radical Love and um, various different um, inspirations, approaches, um, pointers, and you can DM me there or you can reach out to me through my website. And can you briefly explain that? Why do you believe in the concept of creating radical love? Is mm. that what it is at the core of it all? Or is there something more? Um, at the core is so many folks that I have interacted with over the many years I also was in business, I felt that piece of love was missing. Love for oneself so that we could then empathetically, from a place of compassion and connection, connect with others and then create from there. So creating and designing a radically loved life is at the core and that we can do that across all aspects of our life, not the compartmentalized parts. I really came to experience 
my professional life was certainly not separate from the rest of my being, but there was so much messaging around doing that and compartmentalizing and it just came to feel very fractured for me. So I love co-creating and co-designing with others, their radically loved life and their unique expression of it. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful. Scott Mason. You can find out more about me, my biography, my love to stand up <laughs> on stage and just talk. <laughs> Believe it or not, I like to do that sometimes. At speakerscott.com. I also am the host of a podcast, Scott Mason's Purpose Highway, which tells the stories of folks who are connecting to their higher purpose to build a better self and a better world. Purposehighway.com. That's awesome. Well, thank you for the two of you. Thank you for everyone that chose to tune in. As I mentioned earlier, if this work by any means had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our show by making a contribution on our website. And just beyond that, just want to thank the two of you, Scott and Bonita, for choosing to come on here, sharing everything that you believe to be true about your own lives, perspectives, and Jessica and Richard and everyone else that's been a part of it, just choosing to tune in and make it all possible. Because as I said before, and I'll say it again, the three of us, might be the ones that start the conversation, but the conversation only goes so far. And then unless we're able to hear other people's insights and perspectives, those are the things that also help me learn and, and look at life through a different lens. So just thank you to all of you for being a part of this. It's a privilege. A pleasure. Always happy to be here. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider supporting our work by making a contribution at our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time. 